weeknights from 6. On 2FM. Do Johnny's. It's Monday the 6th of March and this is Game On. Coming up today we'll be discussing 7th Heaven, the Magnificent 7, 7 Up. Whatever you're having, yes, Liverpool's 7-goal victory over Manchester United. In Gaelic football we'll ask Peter Canavan, have Tyrone came good at the right time? Plus Shane Byrne gets our build-up to Ireland versus Scotland underway. If you want to get in touch you can text us on 51552 or tweet at Game On 2FM. Game On on 2FM. Alan Coley is with me in studio. Welcome along, Alan. We will be talking about the football later on, but I want to start with Manchester United and Liverpool because I know you're a Manchester United fan and like a lot of Manchester United fans, there's some shock still about what happened yesterday. I'm one of those. You are? Yeah. Um, and not just because I'm a Man United fan, just as a football fan or somebody who speaks about the game and wants to analyse the game properly. I just didn't see that coming at all, Marie. I don't think anyone did. Um, and it was just incredible. And even we were speaking at half-time, and at 1-0, you're thinking Man United still are very much in the game, get themselves back, whoever scores the next goal. But to think that there would have been six goals, all for one team in the second half, and in the manner in which the goals were going in, it was just incredible. And I don't... Like, I was thinking about it today, even. In terms of a match like that, I don't think, especially at that level... Uh, as high a level as that is the highest it gets I suppose I don't think I can ever remember a game like that because normally you would associate a 7-0 drubbing with somebody who was so dominant and like I watched the game on Saturday that I'm sure we'll speak about later with Arsenal and Bournemouth Mm -hmm. and as the stats were coming up on the screen Arsenal at one stage had 85% of the ball now it lowered down to roughly about 80 on average overall so that's a game where you're thinking all right, that's a team totally dominant and if that finished 7-0 you kind of say well you can kind of see where it's coming from because Arsenal had all the ball they're peppering them now obviously that wasn't the score in that match but that would be kind of what you would be thinking in terms of associating a 7-0 scoreline that was, it wasn't like that like I thought Liverpool shaded the first half and as I said at half time you're thinking Man United are still very much in the game improving in the second half get back in the game but not, not for one second in the lead up to the match and especially at half time did I think the scoreline would end 7-0 so yeah shock is probably the correct word um, Peter Canavan is with us on the line as well and we're going to be talking about Gaelic football but Peter I just want to find out if you if you watch the match do you watch the Premier League are you a Premier League fan? That's a bad day for you to be asking me Uh-oh, that I'm a, we know now. I'm, a <laughs> I'm a Man United supporter So you're uh, disappointed like Al? Uh Yes, disappointed. Of course, you're disappointed. Um, uh, we were talking about throwing defeats. You, you don't mm-hmm. mind them getting beat. It's a manner of the defeat. And just when you think the team are heading, and I still believe they're heading the right way, uh, out of nowhere, that walloping uh, happens. But look, um, I'm sure they'll. I'm sure they'll get over it, tough as it is. And uh, I'd like to think they'll get back on the road again. It's an interesting one um, for many reasons and I'm just going to relate it to Gaelic football for a second because we saw um, Liverpool raise their game really. They hadn't been playing as well as they did yesterday. They saw Man United on their home turf and they were able to to play above what they've been playing. Um, even some of the teams, like even watching um, Everton and Nottingham Forest, you know, they're in a relegation battle. They were able to really up their game. You could see them throwing themselves at the ball. I saw Limerick yesterday against me and it was the same thing. They hadn't been playing well but they were rooted uh, to the bottom of the table and they, they pull out a, a really good performance. What is it, Peter, and, and how do teams do that when the back's against the wall and you could say the same maybe about Tyrone and Kerry that they're able to raise their game in certain situations but they can't get that consistency 
Well, I guess it's the nature of sport, Marie, that every day you go out, if you're complacent or if you take the opposition for granted, then anything can happen. Individual sports, you know, it's uh, it's one-on-one. You can't be blaming anybody else or you can't rely on anybody else to uh, to do their bit. But, you know, when you're going out in Gaelic football, there's 14 other players on the pitch and you're totally dependent on them investing their, you know, their energy and their full commitment into the game Otherwise, you're, you're going to end up on, on the losing team. So I know in, in Gaelic, the county teams don't play as many matches in the course of the season. But even you just look at, at some of the games throughout the, the various divisions in, in the National Football League. Westmeath, yesterday, mm. for example, the drubbing that they give Antrim, not too many would have seen that because Antrim were making serious progress and very unlucky to have lost their last uh, couple of games. Um, Kildare, for the players that they have and, and for the personnel, um, yet, you know, they're not performing uh, the way they should be. And the turnaround and thrown in the space of one week, it was more or less the exact same team that thrown put out against Kerry, the All-Ireland champions yesterday, um, whereas they got a drub on the week before down in Mayo. And, and it was tough. I was down at it. it. It was very hard to watch. Yet the same group of players are able to come back within a week and produce the type of performance that, that they have. So, you know, you've heard it said before, so many managers about tactics and all the rest. If the team, um, you know, if the attitude's not right, forget about tactics and, and strategies and everything else. And that's, you know, soccer's no different to, to Gaelic in that regard. Alan? Yeah, I, I would agree totally with Peter in terms of the fact, and it's a brilliant question that you pose, Marie, because there is no magic formula. Mm. And if there was... Sure, every manager would be the best managers in the world because they'd be able to go out with the formula and 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 win consistently. Um, so I think that that that's just the case of it, really, in terms of. And I often speak about this in terms of people's attitudes because, as Peter said, if you're not right, no matter whether it's the toughest game or the toughest opposition that you're about to play, or else it's one of the weakest teams. If you're not in that right frame of mind, the right mindset, you will come unstuck, and that's what we've seen so many times. Which makes the beauty of sport brilliant as well, uh, because there is that element of surprise and upset, and the underdog can have its mm-hmm. day and all that kind of stuff, which which makes sport so brilliant. But in terms of, I suppose, the top teams. That's why they are the top teams that can do it consistently on a consistent basis because they have that brilliant mentality and that brilliant frame of mind that more often than not, nine times out of ten, they will be going into the game in the right, approaching it the right way and that's why they get the results and why they're the top teams. But I think that's the beauty of sport, Marie, that there's always an opportunity that you can have the surprise element, uh, a weaker team beating a stronger team, which makes it brilliant for us. Yeah, or as the cliche goes, the form book is out the window. Um, so, Peter, when Tyrone are seeing Kerry coming to town, is does that just focus the mind? Is that what happened? That they were like, they were so focused on, on getting the job done collectively that they were able to do it. Yeah, uh, you know, I think some people maybe overplaying the carry side of it or the carry element. The bottom line was thrown were bottom of Division One, and regardless of who they were playing yesterday, it, it was a home game and it was an imperative that thrown come out of there with two points. The fact that it, it was carry. Um, all Ireland champions and Throne have been on the receiving end to uh, a few drubbins from from Kerry. That if you're not up to the pitch of the game, um, if you're not, you know, you know, playing every player playing close to their their true potential, then then Throne are Throne were going to be in, in in trouble. So, I think that that was why we got a response from from so many players, Throne players that they, they were animated yesterday like they weren't in any other game. So it, it gave you an idea of how important it was. And, 
you know, we're a proud county and, and we we don't want to end up being relegated. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying we're out of the woods yet, but if we had a loss yesterday, I think we were as good as, as, as relegated. So um, that's why it was so important to produce that performance that they did. And, and thankfully, we got uh, we just about got over the line. I know we keep kind of talking, Peter, about Kerry and their performances and whether or not we should be reading anything into them because of the time of year. But the weeks are going by yet and we're still not seeing Kerry in full flight. Should there be concerns? Yeah, um, it's a difficult one um, because a lot of people would, would be saying, well, look, they've got time on their hands. They'll get to the Munster final. They're, they're, there's a good chance that they will win Munster, so they'll be seated number one in their group for the round, uh, round robin, and that's when the real championship and when the real carry will will stand up. But but the danger is a wee bit like thrown last year. You know, after them, when not everybody was saying the exact same thing. Ah, oh, with with plenty of time, it it, it yeah, will come, and 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 it didn't. So. Um, but I still believe that yeah, the the quality is there. They've another couple of players to get back into the fold, and it is it is the start of March after all. So um, and I know Jack O'Connor was concerned. He wasn't that happy with the way the game panned out yesterday. He would, of course, he was he sent his team out to win. Um, maybe a wee bit disappointed that he's not getting more out of out of the fringe players so players that are are going to make it harder for the established players to get back in but um, I still think I certainly wouldn't be writing them off Marie definitely not If we were just to look at the Division 1 and Division 2 tables and the top the top eight teams in Division 1 and then throw in Derry and Dublin can you call who the top teams are maybe the ones that would be in the in the final or at least close enough to the final because to me when looking at them and just from the performances we've seen so far it doesn't feel like anyone's standing out maybe that's a good thing because it's so wide open Mayo aside obviously but um, yeah it's hard yeah. to call really <laughs> it's it's hard to call not only is it hard you know to call a, a team that's going to join Mayo yeah I do believe Mayo have been the standout team They've been playing a very refreshing brand of football. They're very much a team that appear to be with it. There's competition for places, and Kevin McStay couldn't have asked for a better start to, to his career with his, uh, um, his management, you know, w- yeah. with this current Mayo side. But in, in terms of who's going to join them, all the other teams at this stage would be worried that that they're not relegated because <laughs> yeah. the next in line to Mayo, the next in line to Mayo is Roscommon. And they're sitting on, on six points. Mm-hmm. But uh, six points, I think uh, teams that finish on six points are going to be, uh, some of them's going to be relegated because Donegal's in three, Monaghan, Throne, Kerry are in four. And they will all win at least one game to get them up to, to six points. So there's no certainty that six points is going to get you up. And I wouldn't be surprised uh, Monaghan or Roscommon have to go to Kerry. Um, Kerry need the points. And their final game will be against Donegal, who will definitely yeah. need the points. And despite the fact they're sitting bottom at the minute, a lot of the games that they have lost, it's only been by a point or two. So it's it's all to play for. I don't think any of them are saying, right, we really want to make the league final here. But all of them are saying, we don't want to be relegated. So that's what makes the last two games so exciting. And again, many times have we said it about the National League being a brilliant competition. Um, we're certainly getting value for money. We absolutely are. And you mentioned Ross Common there, and uh, they came up short uh, yesterday against Mayo, but it was a real thrilling finish to the to the end, and you could see what they were trying to do. But at the same time, listening to Davy Burke talking afterwards, 
and he made a really interesting point, you know, that they kind of had that bounce when they came in first, but they, he was such a late appointment that they haven't really got the volume of work done that he needs to have done. And um, who knows really what the next two rounds are going to hold for him. And, and you know, even he he was asked, does he want to be in a league final? And, and he can't even be sure yet. Um, just from the Common point of view, do you think we know where they're at yet? Yeah, I still think they're playing, um, they're playing football to a very high standard. The way that they did come back to give Roscommon a six or seven point start yesterday, yet they were still able to come back. They got it back to a point at one stage um, by playing some very good football. Um, the reason why he's not talking about uh, getting ready or, or playing in a National League final is my previous point. Mm. Um, he's still concerned that they could finish in the bottom two and despite having a brilliant start to the National League, they, they could still be relegated. And that's something that he definitely doesn't want to happen. So he he will he will really be concerned and very disappointed. He would have loved to have got a point yesterday, and that would have left them on seven points and, and a pretty good chance of of staying up. Now they have two weeks really to to dig in and and to get ready for Kerry, and, and that's no tough assignment. Yeah, that's and you would think as well at some stage, Kerry are going to. Um, really get going and it's just a case of when that happens and you could probably say the same for Galway as well they did beat Monaghan yesterday I don't think it was a, a vintage performance and I think maybe for, for Monaghan really it was probably difficult because they did have that little bit of resurgence but over the last few weeks but as you said there, it's just so competitive they're on four points one ahead of um, Donegal and um, just you could just sense there's pure frustration from Vinnie Corey yesterday Absolutely um, it, it was a big game for Monaghan and when they went to man up mm-hmm. they had themselves in a, in, a, in a very strong position but many times have we witnessed that before the extra man um, often means very little in, in Gaelic football and we, we've said it a few times or I've said it a few times this year already even from the very first game that, that Galway have played that they're, uh, the way that they can manage games and very their style of play is very good, very refreshing, and Pride Joyce really has has moulded this team um, to play to play some very strong football. And when I when I mean strong, they can, they can mix it. And when their backs are to the wall, like it was yesterday, they were able to find uh, able to find the answers. So and that's you know with Damien Comer out of action, she and Walsh has only come back and and into the fray. So. Um, for them to be sitting where they are at this stage without those two men uh, um, says a lot for, for the way that they're going. Um, they have a massive game against Armagh. They travel now to the athletic grounds and anybody that has played there this year already will vouch for the atmosphere. Um, it's going to be packed for, for Galway, especially what after what happened in, in Croke Park earlier on in the summer. Um, probably going to be a sellout. Yeah. So that that will be uh, one game to look forward to I think it's Saturday week it absolutely will and Armagh did beat Donegal on Saturday as well and um, sitting there just above the above Kerry in fourth position but I guess it's Donegal really that you'd be looking at as a team that looked like they could really struggle to stay in Division 1 they, they could but they'll, they'll still believe that they've got a good chance they win their next two games and they're sitting on on seven points, and they'll be okay. So you know that'll be the way yeah. Paddy kept. But such as is, is the competitive nature of it, um, to win two games at this stage for for Donegal is is going to be tough. But it's 
again, I wouldn't rule it out. Um, and that would leave, you, you, know, you talk about final game scenarios, the Throne play Armagh in, in Healy Park in, in the final game. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised that the losers of that will will be relegated. So that you know that that that's a massive game, but that's you know that's two games down the line. But it, it's literally that the, there's so many uh, permutations, and it'll all come down to to the okay. final day. I think I'm working that day. I'll leave my calculator out. I'm terrible at maths on the fly as well, so <laughs> I'll have to be careful. Um, what about Derry and Dublin? Um, it was a great finale again. Um, still so much criticism of Dublin, and maybe the fact that. We're not really seeing a huge amount of progress in them. It's still early, like we're early March. What do you think, Peter? I, I think there's a lot of positives from, from a Dublin point of view. In terms of their newcomers, uh, again, Lee Gannon was excellent at, at cornerback and so comfortable on the ball moving forward. He kicked two great points and unlucky not to have kicked a third one. And the goalkeeper, David O'Hanlon, um, for a young fella as well, very composed. His kickouts in the first half, and in, in particular, were so precise. He was very cool under pressure. Made a great save to deny Niall Lachlan. So, you know, when Desi looks at you know players who who are going to push the the more established one, he, he found two there. The way they played in the first half, like a lot of people had wrote D- Dublin off before they went up to Celtic Park. And based on the previous games in the league, you would have expected maybe Terry to win by five or six points. So Dublin did up their game. Um, they were really composed the way they went about their business in the, in the first half. Their attitude was spot on. So that's that that will give you know Desi Farrell a lot of confidence moving forward. Bear in mind they still have uh, three major players to come back into the fold and Brian Hurd, Paul Mannion mm. and Jack McCaffrey. So, of course, those three players are going to make uh, a massive difference as well. So, y- yes, he'll be disappointed the way in which they, they threw away a five-point lead and the way in which uh, Derry came back at them. But uh, I, I do believe at this stage of the year there, there's a lot of positives to be taken out of it from a Dublin point of view. I did enjoy Rory Gallagher saying that he was really calm in the dressing room at half time. I'm not sure I believe him, just considering that he was able to get that performance out of out of his team in the second half. But I guess, look, he's been with them for so long now; he knows what to say at the right times, Peter. Yeah, and and back to you know our previous conversation with soccer and with with the mentality of players once they go out onto the pitch. You know, he was asked after after the game, you know, what did he say or, or what did he do different and. The fact of the matter was he, he he told the players to play with more intensity and, and, and to play with more determination. You know, tactics didn't really change from, from the first half. The the styles of, of both players, or both teams, didn't really change. The fact was Derry were more aggressive. Um, they went after the, the Dublin kick-out. They were more aggressive than that. Turnovers, they didn't turn over Dublin once in the first half. And within the first five minutes, of the second half, they had them turned over twice when you know when Dublin were attacking, and that's a sign of you know work rate and and uh, intensity. So it it was as simple as that. I, I felt there they upped their work rate, they upped their in, in intensity, and they started to get at Dublin the way in which they couldn't in the, in the first half. So um, and again, we, we in previous games we talked about the Dublin bench. The difference that they made, Jack McCaffrey in particular, this time round, it, it was the dairy bench that had a big uh, impact on the game. Shea Downey, 
got on a lot of ball in the short time that, that he was on. Lachlan Murray um, kicked a great point. And there was another one, I think it was Oshin McWilliams, kicked a superb point off his left foot. So, you know, that's the sort of impact you want your subs to have in the closing stages of, of a close game. And the other thing from a dairy perspective, and again, you ask questions about why teams capitulate um, in the manner in which United did, or in some you know Gaelic teams did yesterday. You've got to question the leadership mm-hmm. of the of your main players uh, that are playing on that team. And when you look at at Derry, you think of their leaders: Connor Glass, Chrissy McKeg. Um, and Brandon Rogers, and at half time, you know, when they were faced with the possibility of, of Dublin running away and, and steamrolling them, those players stood up. The main leaders on that team stood up, and the rest followed. And uh, I, I don't think anybody did that better than than Brandon Rogers and, and his second half performance at midfield, where he had to go toe to toe with with Brian Fenton, was uh, his finest his finest half hour in in a Derry jersey. Yeah, that, it was so impressive and he, he's someone that always stands up to be fair to him. Um, Peter, just looking at the, that Division 2 table and seeing Kildare there in seventh place with just two points, it's hard to believe and it's one of those things, like we're talking about trying to make sense of yesterday's game, it's really hard to make sense of the Kildare performances throughout the league, really. It is. It's, it's hard to put your, your finger on it because, you know, I said it before about, about last year's performances in Division 1. They were most unlucky to to not retain Division One status, and a lot of their performances was was where they were nicked by a point mm-hmm. in a number of games, and and they played really well. So you were expecting them, even though they were going down to Division Two, you were expecting them to be among the forerunners that they would be competing with Derry and, and Dublin, and it's the opposite. They now find themselves in in the final two games. Uh, scrambling and and having to, to uh, they're hanging on um, by by their coattails. I still think they'll stay up. I think Clare with the run and I think they have Derry maybe next. Um, I would be surprised if they get two points there. So that would would lend the um, spoiler or give Kildare the edge in which they will in which they will stay up. And you'd have to think that Clare and Limerick at this stage would appear to be favours to, to go down to Division 3. OK, Peter, um, as always, thank you so much for all of that. We will check in with you again next week. Um, Alan Colley, stay with me, though. We're going to take a very quick break. We have rugby to come and then football. Game on on 2FM. Welcome back. It's time to turn our attention to rugby. And I'm delighted to say that Shane Byrne joins us now on the line. Shane, how are you? I'm very well, and yourself? I've loads of things to talk to you about today. Oh. Yeah. I'm <laughs> All first, right. I'm going to start first with your Dancing with the Stars experience. You seem to enjoy it anyway, given your demeanour on the TV. And listen, it was great fun, I have to say. you like, obviously, I'd love to have stayed in for another couple of weeks, but it wasn't to be. But the experience was absolutely fantastic really enjoyed it now uh, it's totally outside of my comfort zone uh, definitely did a few things I've never done before <laughs> but um, yeah really enjoyed it now, fair play for doing it because I think it, especially for sports people well, like when you're you're not really used to dancing it's like it can be difficult but you pulled it off thank you very much I'll take that as a compliment yes do now the next do. thing is the Legends game that's coming up, um, Ireland, England, yeah. the 18th of March, am I right? 
No, Paddy's Day. Paddy's Day, 17th, because Ireland yeah, England is on Paddy's the 18th. Paddy's Day. <laughs> Correct, yes. There's another big game going the on other, that weekend. Another really big game, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it is. It's on uh, in Donnybrook, 6 o'clock on Paddy's Day uh, evening, and we would hope everyone come and join us. It's going to be a superb event. I think it's about 14 years now we've had it on the run. Mm-hmm. We've raised over one and a half million for charity so far, the, mainly the two injured, injured players' funds on both sides of the water. And we've a great set of new blood, should we say. Because it's 2019, would you believe, because of COVID is the last time we've played a home yeah. game in the Legends. And we've got old regulars like myself and Gordon Darcy, but we've Sean O'Brien, Devin Toner, Andrew Trimble, uh, Tommy O'Donnell's already been with it. Isaac Boss, who happens to be over this weekend, is coming to join us as well. And we're up against the Strettles, Armitage, Varndells, Ollie Smiths. In fact, I'm, everyone I named there are all fast guys, which <laughs> has me a bit concerned. But yeah, look, myself and Jason Leonard's um, came up with this a long time ago and Martin Curry originally and it's it's just gone from strength to strength it's it's a great excuse for us to get together but it's also a really really good cause and um, I would encourage as many people as possible to please come down um, we're not going mad on the ticket prices and uh, we would just love everyone to turn up Alan Colley is with me here in the studio and former footballers yeah, yeah. when they retire they do a bit of five aside. what do rugby players do? <laughs> well, may you either continue on or mainly there, there's a thing, classic rugby, and which is this Legends rugby, is basically uncontested scrums and rolling subs, but everything else is full on. Like it, 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 They are proper games because you're dealing with old guys like myself, but you're also dealing with guys who are just retired and are a year or so out of retirement the likes of Sean O'Brien and Dev and those guys that who can still can still yeah played a a wee bit Mm -hmm. and they can still ship it around a bit so like they're great games there's just no anger or aggression out but we're still playing against England and nobody wants to be losing to England absolutely not Shane do you mind me asking good evening by the way what surprised me there was the last little bit where he said there's no anger or aggression in it (laughs) now I've never watched a rugby match in my life where I've never seen anger or aggression and the last and and I was just I still play five aside and if you were to speak to the lads I play five aside with Shane (laughs) they'd tell you a whole different story in terms of how competitive does that competitive juice not flowing you as soon as oh no it does absolutely the, the absolutely line. but you got to remember is that every time when you're in your professional life you're you're trying to do damage to guys you, you're just trying to stop them dead and you know and, and discourage them to try it again where this you know you will not miss tackles you will you know the skill set is still there but you're certainly not out to destroy the guys as you would be the mindset every single tackle you ever made when you're playing proper rugby in international stage right so it's all just done at a different pace then um, different pace okay so but they, go on Shane. go for it no you go no they, listen the games are played fantastically we've we've actually had the upper hand uh, against England for the last couple of years but they're superb games like I say a lot of the names that people will see on both sides are a lot of players who they've cheered for or against for the last 10 years and these guys are still well able to play rugby and um, you know I don't think it's going to be guys going out and playing tag that's not what this is Yeah. you know we the, the rivalry is still there it just doesn't never boils over 
Right, well, we'll talk to you after it anyway and see if it boils over. Um, let's look to this weekend's game between Ireland and um, Scotland. We're starting our build-up yeah. to, to this today. And I remember interviewing Sean O'Brien actually back in 2017 and he said that Scotland are often a banana skin for them. Do you think that that could mm. be the case this weekend? Well, it was brewing up to be that way. There was no doubt about it that the manner in which they played, yes, in each game they've kind of ebbed and flowed through the through their form in it, but when they're on fire, when they're ticking, they're very, very dangerous. Very dangerous. Particularly from broken field running. And I think they have one of the best uh, stats from getting into opposition's 22s and getting scores. I think that they're leading the charge with ourselves just in behind it, which makes them very, very dangerous. If they, every time they step inside your 22, at some point or another, they are going to get the scoreboard ticking over. That's dangerous. And all of a sudden you can find yourself in a dogfight away from home. And But I really do think that this Irish team, they have a, a seem to have a very ruthless mind streak in them at the moment and uh, there's some players obviously who are leading the charge and with the injuries coming back that we do have I just think that if Ireland stick to their guns and don't get involved in the game that Scotland want to play if they play the game the way the Irish want to play it I think they will have too much because if you put the two sides out playing their absolute best Ireland are better yeah, you would have to think so. But when you think about it, though, like we're in that World Cup year and the things that we would say about a team that, you know, we'd have hopes for, as we do every time they're heading into a World Cup and you think, right, well, no one's going to get complacent. There's so much competition for places. You know, you, you don't want to let yourself down when you get handed an opportunity by Andy Farrell. But everything that we say about Ireland could be said about Scotland as well, too, though. Yeah, I, no, I, I would absolutely agree with that. And particularly the form they've had up to this point. You know, it's France, obviously the blip, but they're still going for the Triple Crown. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's still quite a big uh, goal for them to be going for. And um, they've been okay with injuries. It's Scotland have been brewing away. If you think about it, like they had a decent November internationals as well. And they have been shown a lot better form. So this isn't just a flash in the pan. This is built up by step by step, getting better and getting better. And uh, it's it's really superb to see. And it is something that the minute I saw them in the first round and then the second round, I was thinking, yeah, like this is a game that we really have to be concentrating on because traditionally, obviously, Paddy's weekend, we playing against England, you would be thinking that that's where the mindset is. Just get to that point and then the big game against England. But it's not. This team have to be thinking each game, you know, has to be taken as a as a complete unit itself. And in fairness, that is the way they have been doing it. They have been able to uh, hold on to the concentration and make sure that they see the game out. And that's what exactly what we want to happen here. So... The week off, everyone was taking a break, putting the feet up, people that were involved anyway. And then you go and watch Racing and you see Finn Russell playing. It's such a, a strange thing. And and I'm not sure if it's a good or bad thing. I guess we'll find out on uh, at the weekend. Um, he seems mm. to have come through the game. But whether keeping playing and having that momentum helps or taking the break helps, it's probably hard to tell yet. But what, what's your take on it? Well, yeah, I, I have to say that the Irish set up you know the way we do rugby here in the country is, is better like the way you would look at it I suppose which is a very simplistic way of looking at it is that the Irish set up mines their assets and they have a huge depth in squads that they can give the guys week offs takes rests 
where in England and France, it's more they sweat the assets. They use the players. If you're free, you're playing. And that's the way they need it to be. Now, the thing is, is that with Ireland, we have these fantastic squads that can come out and the game can change because we do all this rotation. In fairness to the English and French, they just, France have massive, massive numbers, but in England, they don't have these massive squads because they don't do that. They always rely on the main players. And then, therefore, you get the situations where you get a starting international playing week in, week out throughout the Six Nations. Okay, thank you for all of that, uh, Shane Byrne, and best of luck with the game. We'll check in with you, as I said, afterwards and, and see uh, did it all go as you expected it to, or will Alan. Yes, I'll probably have black through? eyes yeah, and everything. Yeah. <laughs> as long as they don't touch the hair. Get stuck Shane. into them, Shane. Get stuck <laughs> yeah, into yeah. them. No bothers. No bothers. Thanks, Shane. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Take care, Bye. guys. Game on on 2FM. Welcome back. It is time for us to return to the Premier League. Alan Cawley is with me in studio and Fergal Brennan is on the line. Fergal, how are you? Uh, I've calmed down <laughs> after what was a, a pretty chaotic um, Sunday. Just just ridiculous. Um, I, I, just stunned. I'm still, I'm still in a bit of a state of shock. That was definitely the feeling last night and I've got over it a bit, but still... Six goals in 45 minutes, seven goals in 90, records broken all over the place, individual and uh, and team records. It was it was absolutely insane. It really was. And I can hear it in your voice, actually. I, I, I'd say you were just uh, <laughs> loving it. Um, just the pure enjoyment of it. Even we, you were there, Fergal, were you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was, it was, it was. Even from the sitting in the in the press box and you're seeing just the celebrations going on around you. Obviously, you've you've a mix of of Liverpool focused journalists and Manchester or Manchester United focused journalists, and the split between them was as 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 clear as it was within the stands. And it was just just amazing. And I think that was the, that was the sensation I got when I left the ground last night of shock. There was there was obviously partying going on and, and what have you but there were so many just shocked faces all the way out of the ground all the way back up towards the main road just groups of people just un- unable to believe what they'd seen because obviously there's been comebacks and particularly yeah. in the Champions League there's been some unbelievable nights but yesterday was was something else uh, Was it just the case of Ten Hag getting his tactics wrong? I don't think it was all down to tactics, Marie. Um, we spoke earlier at the start of the show just about people's mindset and mm-hmm. and and so many examples, even when we had Peter on speaking about the different games in any sport. And I was ringing two or three off the top of my head just as Peter was giving the answer. And um, it's almost a case as simple as someone coming out and saying, we worked harder and we ran harder. And or at half time, if you're losing, someone says, improve the intensity and up your work rate and your energy levels. And all of a sudden, they come back into a game. We've seen so many examples of that. So I don't it was all down to tactics it was strange that he played Fernandez on the left so that's a tactical yeah. thing obviously you'd look at but that wasn't the reason they lost 7-0 so it was just one of those moments where as I said at the start as long as I've been following football and watching football and playing football and, and now talking about football or whatever I, I've never seen a game like it as I said for a, for a scoreline to be 7-0 of two teams at such a high level as I said, you'd always associate with a game where somebody had 85% of the ball and they had 24 attempts at goal and almost like a Man City type match or as I said, Arsenal against Bournemouth. But to, the fact that at 1-0, we're still thinking this is very much in the balance and then it comes out and it's just a total capitulation. And that's what surprised me the most because we haven't seen that from this Man United team and we haven't seen it under Ten Hag in particular because of what he instills in terms yeah. of the discipline and the professionalism of them. And he spoke afterwards about being unprofessional. So that's what surprised me the most. And, and even I think Roy Keane said afterwards, 
you know in a game when things are not going your way and a 2 or 3 nil sometimes you need to just take your medicine and you say to yourselves alright we'll just shut up shop here and we're happy just get out with, not happy but we'll take yeah. our 3 nil and just get out and put it down to a bad day and get on with it the fact that they were shipping 5 and 6 and 7 that doesn't look good at all and, and that would be a major concern for me now I've praised Man United over the last number of weeks and rightly so and as I always say to Umri when we ever chats I'd never go in hard on somebody unless there was a pattern building up and then you kind of can go off maybe five, six, seven games. You can't slaughter them over one game. I would criticise them the fact that they lost seven in the manner that they, as I said, they just they kept shipping goals. Something like what I said about Liverpool a few weeks ago with Real Madrid. Like, you can't be shipping five and six. You should know yourself with the experience you have on the pitch. But I can't slaughter those players the way some people were slaughtering yesterday because everybody's praised them for so much over the last kind of two, three, four months. We'll see now with the reaction of them what comes of this and hopefully it is just a blip and a freak as people were saying but um, I, I wouldn't slaughter them individually Just it was just a, a really, really, really bad Bruno day. Yeah, well for his behaviour but, yeah. but, but he's one that would annoy you uh, most weeks Every Marie week, to yeah. be honest with you you know not just mm. yesterday and that's one where that would be an area where if you're the manager you'd be saying whatever about lads making the odd mistake or conceding a goal his behaviour was atrocious yesterday and it's been atrocious for a long time in terms of him supposedly being a captain mm. and he's carrying on like a spoiled brat and this happens on regular occasions this happens when they're winning as well so that's an area where I definitely ten, think Ten Hag can need to pull him up because um, he would he would frustrate the life out of Bruno Fernandes there were so many positives from a Liverpool perspective, Fergal. I don't even know where to start, whether it's Salah, Nunes, um, Gapko, but there was it was just like it all came together at the right time and we could see maybe what the future could look like for a Liverpool front three and, and a Liverpool team. Obviously, there's areas that need to, to be strengthened, but um, definitely it felt like they knew what they were doing. They were able to, to play together and they could score goals and, and, and that's what it takes to win games as we know yeah I think we got a kind of glimpse of the short term the long term um, because particularly Gakpo and, and Nunez in terms of their age if they continue on the development that Liverpool fans want them to have then they're going to go on to have fantastic careers and I think there's always been so much connection with Jurgen Klopp's front three at Liverpool of Salah, Firmino and, and Mane. Mane's obviously gone there's big talk that Firmino's going to go this summer which it looks as if it's almost certain and I think what was impressive yesterday was Nunez and Gakpo just able to swap positions. One would start wide out on the left-hand side. One would start centrally. They'd swap. They'd make different runs. They'd look to open up space for each other. And the United backline just couldn't live with that. There's been a huge amount of focus on Salah and Lissandro Martinez and the run where he kind of took him for a, a bit of a dance and then he, he popped in Gakpo and Gakpo scored. But I think we're seeing how this front three will work very differently to Salah, Mane and Firmino because Klopp knows that he can't just replicate that. That that was a fantastic period in Liverpool's history. Three fantastic players for Liverpool, but one of them's gone, one of them's going and one of them is comfortably older than, than Nunez and, and Gakpo in terms of his career. So I think Liverpool fans are seeing how the front three is going to be. And I mean, if they're going to be sticking seven goals away, they'll be delighted. You know, Mane and Firmino might be long forgotten, but... They're very, very different players to Firmino and Mane, but we saw yesterday that it can work. It's looked a bit clunky and a little bit disorganised so far this season, but Darwin Nunez is a very different player to Firmino, but he's probably more of a direct goal threat. Cody Gakpo is different to Mane, and he's probably an example of what the new Liverpool wants to be, because if Liverpool want to be challenging for major titles, they have to change, they have to evolve, whether that's bringing in new signings or developing within the squad. I thought Harvey Elliott played really well yesterday as well. Um, 
they have to change and, and that's that's always been the case in Premier League football dominant teams have to make those hard decisions do they let players go do they sign players who do they keep who do they let go um, and Klopp's having to do that Liverpool are just with all due respect new to winning the Premier League title and being a Premier League challenger this is the first time they've had to recycle a Premier League title winning team and it does take a little bit of time Yeah I think that was that's been quite obvious over the last while and we were trying to figure out I guess um, what area of the pitch was going to come together first and it seems like that is the area that has came together well look I mean we're going off one game we still have a long way to go yet um, but Alan from the Manchester United perspective you're not no one's like as you said no one's really slaughtered them it was a really bad day at the office it's the response now that is going to matter but at the same time it does feel like the gloss of what's happened over the last few weeks few months with Ten Hag has came off a bit I would kind of phrase it slightly differently in the sense that it's more just a reality check. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think people will look back and say, look, he's done a really good job up to this point to have a trophy in the cabinet. But he was he's only there six, seven months, so it was always going to take time. He's probably overachieved up to this point to get them to the level of where they're at. But I think for any kind of knowledgeable football people tuning in, watching them, despite the run that they've been on, everybody knows, and we've said it numerous times, that they're still a good bit off a Real Madrid or a Man City or Liverpool in their pomp or whatever the case may be and I think that was evident yesterday Marie he's done such a good job and in some ways the book always stops with the manager and he'll get the criticism mm-hmm. in terms of him losing 7-0 and rightly so but I also think it highlights just again how good a job he's done because there's players in that squad where we were all thinking at the start of the year thinking he's a major revival job on his hands here the fact mm-hmm. that he's kind of turned around so quickly to this point I wouldn't say he's turned around fully but he's turned around to a point where all of a sudden they're competitive again and they can start looking maybe at challenging in that top four and a potential title challenge next year possibly but I always felt they were still and he can you only have to look at the, the individuals on the pitch Veghorst he's not united yeah. Fred is not united despite people thinking mm. oh Fred has done well in the last couple of weeks and he has to be fair to him in individual games but he's not going to win you a Champions League or win you a Premier League when you have the likes of a De Bruyne or Rodri or Gundogan or Foden or Grealish whoever in the Man City team um, or Liverpool when they were winning Champions League so I think that was always the case and I think that there was clear evidence of that yesterday and I'm sure Marie Eric Ten Hag was fully aware of this yesterday mm-hmm. and even he was probably surprised by the, the fact that we've, we've done really well to get to the point where we're at but there's major surgery still needs a major hard work to bring in a couple of players just to get them maybe to that level so as I said I wouldn't be slaughtering them I wouldn't be in kind of the only thing is the reaction now they're playing Southampton next week like you're saying about the gloss if it was a thing that to go another game and all of a sudden it's 3-4 games without a win then maybe the gloss is starting to come off but I don't think that'll be the case I think you'll see a good reaction from them uh, for, let's just move it on for um, a couple of minutes because there were some other really big games this weekend as well um, and I think Arsenal's game against Bournemouth and just the manner of the way they won it felt like it was a huge moment in their quest for the Premier League title Definitely uh, and I think it was kind of shades of the Aston Villa victory from a couple of weeks ago where they were behind and they needed to get back into it and they needed a goal or a couple of goals in the case of Villa in, in injury time to get through and this is a this is the kind of cliche of these are the games that you need to win to win the Premier League title and someone like Reese Nelson who's not been part of Mikel Arteta's plans this season the fact that it was him that got the goal shows again this idea that you need everybody playing their part whether you're Bukayo Saka and the star of the team or you're Aaron Ramsdale in goal or you're Reese Nelson who realistically knows 
he's not a regular starter he's not really a regular squad option he might even be leaving in the summer to have the hunger after 97 98 minutes to be there on the edge of the box keep your head keep it calm and win this huge game for Arsenal I just think it's fantastic for them because it shows the reaction the grits all those old questions that creep out of the woodwork about Arsenal when things do get a bit tough for them they're passing all these tests there's still an enormous amount of way to go Manchester City is still a fantastic team they're defending champions but Arsenal are passing all the tests that people are throwing at them um, and when you've got someone as I say like Nelson coming off the bench I'm not even sure if he scored a Premier League goal before he certainly hasn't scored many to score such a good goal at such an important time if you wanted a little bit of a sign I, I think that's it Okay, Fergal, Brennan, as always, thank you so much for joining us today and we will talk to you again soon. Alan, there is a full round of fixtures in the League of Ireland tonight. Tony O'Donoghue is at Shamrock Rovers and Cork City in Tala. Let's hear from him. All the talk pre-season was of the four in a row bid by Shamrock Rovers. Instead, they're facing the possibility of four games in a row without a win as their stuttering start to the new campaign continued on Friday with a home defeat to Derry City. It was the Hoops' first league loss in Tala in 30 games. The worry for the visitors, newly promoted Cork City, is that they're about to feel the backlash from a frustrated home side. Rovers welcome back Lee Grace and Daniel Cleary, although the other centre-half missing against Derry, Pico Lopez, remains suspended. Johnny Kenny notched his first goal for Rovers against Derry and the on-loan Celtic striker will be anxious to add to his tally. Colin Healy's Cork come to Dublin on the back of their first win of the season, a 4-0 defeat of UCD at Turner's Cross. However, Barry Coffey with a hamstring strain and goalkeeper Toby Oluwayemi with a groin injury are both expected to miss out. It's the first time in over two years that Cork will face the three-in-a-row League of Ireland champions. The Leesiders looking for their first win over Rovers in 11 attempts. As Tony O'Donoghue, he will be at Tallah Stadium tonight. Alan, it's hard to believe that Shamrock Grover still haven't got a win yet. Yeah, it is, Maria. Uh, obviously the favourites at the start of the season. And I'm not sure in the game so far. I was in Tallah on Friday night against Derry. Obviously, mm-hmm. people building it up as kind of potential top of the table clash, which it will be, I'm sure, come the end of the season. And Derry will be their nearest rivals, I would think. And for the first half, they were very, very good. Probably the best I've seen Shamrock Rovers in a long, long time. They were excellent. And Derry were just lucky to get in at one all. And I'm sure they were thankful to get in at one all because the goal that Derry scored, a brilliant goal that it was, was totally against the run of play. Shamrock Rovers, brilliant reaction, got themselves back in the game. Johnny Kenny scored. And in the second half, then you're thinking, if the carry on were to left off in the first half, they'll go on and get that elusive victory. But Derry, to be fair, going back to our, the team of the Nightmarie, Derry improved in the second half. And it was just a case of upping their intensity and their energy levels, all of a sudden getting closer to Shamrock Rovers, making tackles. And they got a brilliant goal, very similar to the goal McGonagall scored in the cup final. A cut back, Ryan Grade and McGonagall finished it. Uh, and that was the same on Friday night and to be fair to Derry they ran out comfortable winners then Shamrock Rovers never really showed that reaction that they showed in the first half after going a goal behind and they were quite comfortable Derry City after that Well Derry City are playing UCD tonight John Kenny will set the scene for us It's bottom against top at a wet UCD bowl tonight is UCD who just got a solitary point to show so far face a Derry City side who showed their title credentials last Friday weathering an early storm before beating the champion Shamrock Rovers 2-1 in Tala albeit a hoop side with major injury problems in defence. Stands to reason then that UCD will once again be involved in the relegation battle and their 4-0 defeat to newly promoted Cork City on Friday night points to a tough 
season ahead for Andy Miner's side, who took a point from their opening game away to Dundalk last month. Derry, in contrast, have seven points from possible nine and look like they're building an early head of steam as they return to the capital for the second time in four days to face the students. Derry have one or two injury concerns as well. Michael Duffy, Cameron McJanet and Cameron Dummikin are all absent. Adam O'Reilly is a doubt, but one would think that they should have enough in depth to continue their unbeaten start to the league season. UCD against Derry City kicks off at 7.45. John Kenny there and Alan you are heading to Daily Mount I'm off to Daily Mount Marie yeah I like these Monday night games mm-hmm. and Bowes have had a really good start to the season obviously the Wonder first two they had a bit of a setback in Talca Park Friday night by all accounts they played quite well but then descending off set them back and Shells went on and won got a late goal um, so they'll be expecting a reaction tonight Bohemians at home to Drada who've also had a very good start to the season picked up five points and beat Sligo Rovers on Friday night themselves in a home victory so that should be a good game Dundalk and Shelburne also at quarter to eight and I saw that Stephen Kenny's son own signed his first professional contract with Dundalk I saw that Maria yeah, watch out for him remember the name as they say <laughs> remember the name um, yeah so it's brilliant for the young lad um, and obviously with Stephen such a brilliant connection that Stephen has to that football club hopefully the young lad can go on and do his dad proud yeah I'd be looking forward to following him now look there's probably a little bit of pressure because I mean obviously if you're the Ireland manager's son but still I mean he's got this far and he seems to be going going well yeah and there's no look Marie I know all about it there's no sentimentality in yeah, football they wouldn't not. be signing him just because he's Stephen Kenny's son and for yeah. anybody who thinks that uh, I hope that's never branded at the young lad he's there on merit he's obviously a very good player and Stephen O'Donnell as I say is a very good manager he wouldn't be signing the young lad unless he had ability mm-hmm. Sligo Rovers and St Pat's then also on tonight uh, St Pat's uh, travelling to Sligo tonight yeah, and Pat's got hammered for nil. That was the surprise at the week. Now, not a surprise that they lost because I watched them the week before against Shelburne and they were awful. And um, they got a they got a lucky victory. Then they get hammered by Dundalk. I couldn't see that coming in terms of five nil, and that's a major surprise, major setback for Tim Clancy as well. And again, like the theme of the night, reactions. We'll have to see how they get on tonight, Marie, because they will have to bounce back and show a positive reaction to that because that's not acceptable, really, really, to be losing five nil. Absolutely not, um, Alan Colley. A uh, lot of unacceptable results over the over the weekend, but lots of uh, good ones as well. Uh, thank you so much as always for coming in. I'll be back tomorrow and we'll be um, looking at all the European football. We'll be chatting Camogie and plenty more. So do join us. Better De Silva's up next. RTE 2FM.